I want to make this thing as real for us today as I possibly can. We've just enjoyed a wonderful time of worship together. And in that, we, we realize the personalities, those of you that are streaming, uh, your, their comments of how you feel the Spirit of the Lord there where you are. And sometimes we come into a corporate place like this to worship and we're kind of down. We've had a rough week or a rough morning and then just being with others as they begin to worship, it kind of lifts us up and it just goes from heart to heart. And somewhere along the way, you forget your woes and your problems. And then just about time to close out service, the old enemy of our soul will say, yeah, remember what you forgot, I'm going to remind you of it. And sometimes we struggle taking that which we've gained here in, a, in an arena of faith, as I like to call it, and we go back out there and we feel like we're alone. The Bible tells us that we are to lay aside sins and weights, that which isn't necessarily considered missing the mark, but things that weigh us down in life. Along the way, we all know that we do sin. We sin sometimes when we knew better. Other times we were ignorant and, and we did it uh, and didn't mean to. We call those mistakes. I read something this week quite humorous of a, of a friend who knew his other friend uh, was opening up a brand new business. So he wanted to encourage him. He called up the florist and ordered uh, some, a flower arrangement for his new business. A few days later, he went to visit that friend in his new business. And he was literally appalled at what he was seeing. There was his floral arrangement, and it said, rest in peace. <laughs> he went to his friend. He said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I, I ordered this. I didn't know. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so disappointed. He said, yeah, I know it's bad. But can you imagine that floral arrangement out there in a cemetery somewhere? It says, Welcome to my new location. <laughs> That's a mistake. But then there are those sins. The scripture addresses this with us. I wish I, I honestly wish I had five or six hours just to keep breaking this down because this is where we live and we, we struggle in our mind, we struggle in our spirit of just how does God measure these things. I know that I haven't walked a perfect walk this week. Is it real enough yet? And some of us in leadership, some of us that are talented and used of the Lord in wonderful ways, you know, along the way, we think, I, I've, I, I, I haven't been perfect this week. How could I minister? And other people worshiping as I minister. And then we begin to feel like a hypocrite. And for others of us, we start shutting down. It's like, well, I'm not going to do it anymore because I, somebody else more perfect than I am needs to lead or, or needs to encourage somebody else. And the enemy messes with us as well. It's like, how can I share my faith when I'm not living it perfectly? Do I have everybody's attention yet? There's a statement that says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, which means if it is broke, fix it. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? We're going to pick up at verse 6, but what Paul has just said is also worthy of being said. He makes the statement 
that we now have access to God. And in that access, we are made to stand in the grace of God, as if it's a room that we walk into. Verse 6, if you'll join with me, simply says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been, get ready for it, circle it, we've been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, Shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Give God praise in this house, will you? You may be seated. Let's break this thing down. Pam came to us this morning leading in prayer. Tim came leading in prayer, and she referenced a scripture that we all know well, if my people will humble themselves. But did you pick up the part, if we kind of break that apart, if my people will turn from their wicked ways? Ouch. It didn't say the unregenerate, the lost, if my people will quit sinning. If my people will get out of their own way and quit doing these wicked things. What does that look like? It's amazing when we think of God, we think of, yes, that that event that allows us to enter in this thing called salvation. We come into a new life, a new kingdom. Everything's new at salvation. We come in and we're like, man, it's, it's wonderful and it's great. And yet it doesn't take long for us to realize, wait a minute, there's still something wrong with this picture. Me. I'm saved. He, he loved me while I was yet a sinner, but now I'm saved. So I can't admit I'm sinning any longer so that I stand in good graces. That's not the way this works, but we all try it. Because somewhere along the way, we change the language and I, well, I don't sin, I just make mistakes. I, I don't sin any longer, I'm just being misunderstood. I don't sin any longer, I just had a real bad day. No, we sin. So what does this thing really mean? We got to capture again, we've sung today and we've worshiped today, that we capture his wonder. In that, I want us again to recapture how amazing he really is in his love. How amazing he really is in his grace. How amazing he really is in the privileges that he gives to us. It ought to take our breath. That he forgives us even though we knew better. 
Not just making the way for us to surrender our life to him, but living that life out, he continues to walk with us. Let's make it even more real. We understand that God's grace is so amazing that he'll save even those who have murdered someone. That he will save even a pedophile. Oh man, are you going to go to that extent? But his word acknowledges that. And what we do, we make this list of the most heinous sins that a human could do to somebody else. And we say, God's grace is so amazing that it surpasses any sin that is possible in a life. But on this side of the spectrum is our pettiness, our greed, our gossip. The things that we start accepting and justify that it's really okay that I do it because I haven't got to this side of the list. You still with me? It's amazing that God could save a murderer. But it's equally amazing that God will put up with us. Our hate, our self-justification of our evil ways, our cheating ways, our manipulations. We're just knocking them down, aren't we? And it affects us. We get weighed down. Lay aside the sin. Okay, that's this list over here, but what about this stuff? Well, they're weights. Maybe they don't measure up to these things in the way we measure, but they begin to weigh us down. We're not as free to worship. We're not as eager to get to his word and say, would you talk to me tonight, Lord? <laughs> I'm gonna have a conversation with you. Start talking as I read. How many times have you gone to God's word and it becomes that living rhema? It's like, dude, he's talking to me right now in my situation. I've read that passage, I don't know how many times, but it never had the connotation that it does right now. It is speaking, it's living, it's talking to me about my situation. That amazing grace that in his sacrificial death, oh my He's paid this way. So here's this word, justification. What does it really mean? It means in the most legal terms, I am now rendered as not guilty. There has been an acquittal. Whether I have murdered, whether I have raped, or whether I have stabbed somebody in the back with my long tongue. But here's the thing, God doesn't justify our sin, he justifies the sinner. What he has done is he hasn't made us righteous yet. Oh, pastor, I I, I disagree with you. I, I have read that. Yes, you've read it, but you've missed the mark. 
He hasn't made us righteous. He's declared us righteous. And there is the difference. When we go through life, and yes, you might be going great for days and weeks, and then all of a sudden, somebody at work just ticks you off. Anybody want to raise their hand on that one? And before you knew it, you gave them a piece of your mind, which you really couldn't spare, but you did it anyhow. And in that, you used expletives and adjectives that you have not used in a long time. And then you realize in that moment, well, I'm not just as, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Because I'd really got past, so I wasn't justifying that anymore in my life. I really thought I had conquered that, and there it is. For others, it's not in that moment of intensity. It's in moment of fatigue. How many is with me? When we're tired, we get snippy. We get irritable. We have been so long-suffering and patient over here, and all of a sudden, this one over here just does the least little thing, but we take their head off so clean, it looks like a laser cut their head off. He doesn't justify our sin. He justifies the sinner. In other words, he's speaking to us and he is changing our status. He has declared us justified. Without that justification that only he can do, we couldn't have this worship service we've had today. You couldn't. How many felt the presence of the Lord earlier? How many feels it right now? Yes. It isn't just a stimulation of music. Thank God for that gift. And then that anointing that comes along with delivering the message, either through musical skill or through singing or through preaching, whatever. It's just, yes, Lord, I, I feel your presence. That could not happen if he hadn't declared us justified. This ought to be helping somebody now to realize, okay, then that means... That he has given me this privilege to be able to come into his presence. I know nobody else has done this, but I've been guilty of it so many times in my life. I'm the only one I know. That after I mess up whatever my thing is, I'm like, Lord, I am so sorry, and I feel like a worm. But if I can go one day, I'm starting thinking, I'm okay, Lord, maybe, maybe, maybe. You'll hear me if I pray today. If I go two days, if I go three days, somewhere I feel like I'm earning a place to be able to be in his presence again. How many's with me? Oh, so I'm not the only one. But then somewhere along the way, you trip over something else. And you're like, man, I'm right back to square one. And if we're not careful, we'll just say, I'm just going to stay at square one. I can't do it. I can't do it. Until we realize this work that he's done for us, he's justified us. He's, he's acquitted us. He's given us new life. In the salvation, as we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, we call it regeneration. There's a renewing. There's a brand newness going on. There's a new birth. I was 10 years of age in the natural when I formerly bowed my knee and had an understanding that I needed a Savior. 
For others, you may be 20 or 30 or 40 or 60 or 70. When you have that moment of clarity, yes, I'm asking for my sins to be forgiven. And yes, I declare that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Come into my life. From there, then we realize that work of regeneration has begun, but there's another thing that has to happen in this justification. And it's a word that somehow we've lost. For those of us who have any age, we heard it preached on a regular basis. We had a doctrinal position for it, but we don't hear it quite often anymore. And we've got to get a hold of it again, and it's simply the word sanctification. In other words, in that declaration that I am justified, each morning his mercies are new and he reboots me again. He resets me again and I get another day that he's given me and I have the privilege of saying old things. That means yesterday, just 24 hours ago, just six hours ago, old things are passed away. Behold, all things for this day have become new. I'm justified in him. He's declared that I don't have to keep living in my mistakes and in my sins and in my wickedness, but at this day forward, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice in this day that he's given me and I'm going to live for him. In other words, it is a walk. Each day I need that work of sanctification. Each day I need heaven's assistance to make sure that as I come up close to that person that ticked me off yesterday, and I cursed them out. I can get to that same place the next day, just 24 hours removed. It's the same bat channel at the same bat time, but I'm going to do it different this time because there's been a reset this morning. I got a hold of all his mercies that were new this morning, and I'm going to walk through this day and say, I don't have to do what I did yesterday. Behold, Lord, I'm going to go to this person and say, would you forgive me for losing my mind yesterday? And would you accept my forgiveness? forgiveness because I got to keep on moving past you. I got to get over here because I stopped yesterday right there. I died yesterday. It, it grieved me. It embarrassed me. I didn't honor my Lord, but thanks be unto God. I'm so amazed. I'm still at all in him and the wonder of him that keeps forgiving me. Again, back to the scripture. Would we really die for somebody else? Those of you married, would you really die for your spouse? Don't answer that quickly. Just think about it. Depends on the day of the week, right? Pastor, I wish you'd ask that last week because today I'm really having a problem. If one would die for a righteous person, maybe. And possibly if you find this really, 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 really good person, maybe. But God died for me when I was his enemy. Folks, we can't water this thing down. Salvation is real. Salvation is powerful. 
It is the gift of God that keeps on giving. It isn't just, oh, I got my free pass. I said it one time, I'm good, one and done, I'm great. It's every day, Lord, sanctify me. You've given me the Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's a word out of the Brooks commentary, great commentary. You need to get a volume of it. It's one word with two different looks. It's the word separated. Because you see, before salvation, we were separated from God. We were enemies of God. We couldn't get close. You see, so many today that don't understand salvation, that haven't received salvation, and you try to communicate to them, they don't understand. How do you say that you talk? You, you did what at church yesterday? You sang to, you people raised your hands, you danced with your feet, you, you cried out, wonderful thing. How, who is this God? He seems to be such a stranger to me. He seems to be so, so far away. Surely it's just you got caught up in the music. It's got to be a figment of imagination. It's, it's got to be a metaphor. God, really? Really? You see, that's because before salvation, we're all separated from God. But what the Brooks commentary brings out is this. Once salvation comes and we are declared justified, now we have the privilege of each day living a separated life. No longer doing what I couldn't help myself do yesterday. I mean, I just bow to the flesh every time. But now with the Holy Spirit in my life and the mercies from heaven being baked freshly and given to me this morning, I now can live separated from the life I once was. I'm no longer an alien to God. I'm just a pilgrim and a sojourner walking through this life and I'm walking under the power of the Holy Spirit in this life now. You see that word separated, I used to be separated from God, now I have the privilege of being separated from this world. That's sanctification. Brooks commentary. See, we take these words, we get afraid of them. I'll close with this if you stand.